Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We're very excited to have all of you with us on this Father's Day uh, morning. Uh, if you weren't here at 930, which most of you were not, you missed our VBS kids. Last week was a vacation Bible school here at the church. And as always, it is one of the best times to be here at the church. Um, there are like 400 kids um, all throughout the week running around crazy, um, singing songs like I like bananas and mangoes are sweet. I like papayas. Thank you. Some of you are volunteers. You know, you're supposed to scream papayas. Um, yeah, but you know, God is, I can't remember the rest of it. I just always blank out of papayas because it's funny. Um, but uh, I just want to thank, if you were a volunteer um, at VBS, thank you so much for being here because it takes a lot of you uh, to be here. And it is a, a great time for our kids. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 16 still. And uh, uh, I'm very excited about this week, but also really excited about next week. Next week, our mission tri- uh, trip, our mission team is leaving on Saturday morning. Uh, there are 19 of us going to Costa Rica. This will be um, our, I don't know, one, two, three, four, four like fifth trip uh, down there in the past couple of years, uh, fifth group to go down there. And uh, 19 of us are going, seven of us are staying uh, just half the week, and then the rest of them are staying the entire week. And so I would appreciate it if you would, uh, if you remember us, to keep us in your prayers for, uh, for travel uh, safe travel, and while we were there, that we could be the hands and feet of God um, to the people of Costa Rica. Uh, but what this does is it, it means I will not be here next week to preach, uh, but we have scoured places far and wide to find a sub. And uh, who we came up with was Reed Mitnitsky. Yeah. Some of you don't know why others are clapping, but Reed is the youngest son of our senior pastor, David Minitsky. He uh, is a gra- just graduated high school, is on his way to some little school north of here in Austin um, next year. And uh, he is a, just a, uh, such a wonderful kid. Uh, I've known Reed for a long time. I coached him in his fifth and sixth grade basketball teams. I was his coach. And so his skills are thanks to me. Um, but he, is, he has been on a trip to, uh, to Israel uh, with Ray and Scott, Ray Vanderland and Scott, and uh, is really fired up because next week we get to the gates of hell um, passage of this, and it's going to be really cool. I'm very sad that I will get to hear it on tape and not see him do it live. Uh, he has done teachings in the past on Sunday afternoons, um, but this will be his first sermon. So I, I encourage you to be here and hear this great teaching uh, and to encourage one of our youth um, who is a great leader for kids his, his age. Uh, so there you go. There's that. Uh, but today we're, we're still in a little bit ahead of Matthew 16, verse 13 is where we are. Now, does anybody know that there's an election going on? We've entered an election year cycle. Anybody heard anything about that? No? Really? Do y'all not watch the news? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, all over the place um, if you turn the news on. And you see all the candidates are coming out from the Republican side, um, beginning to announce the fact that they will indeed run for president. Um, And it's very clear that a lot of thought goes into where they make their announcement. It's very clear that much preparation and thought and energy is put into not just the wording, but the actual location. Uh, The governor of Pennsylvania or up there did his announcement close to the site where the plane went down September 11th, um, very close to that field. And, you know, the reason behind it, 
not on my watch, you know, was the, uh, the kind of the message there that wasn't even necessarily verbalized, but it was because of the location. It's very clear that where you make your announcement is a big deal. It says a lot about who you are and what you are about. At least that's their intention. So Jesus makes an announcement or an announcement is made about him. And the place that it's done is very important to the announcement. 16 verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So they go to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is um, a pretty important, significant place for him to make this announcement or to have this announcement made for him. It's 25 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee. It is outside of the rule of Herod Antipas. So it's outside of the Jewish-controlled area. They're going into a region that is majorly Gentile. There would have been some Jews there, but for the most part, it was going to be a Gentile area. So they go into this region outside of the Jewish control, and they go to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is a very interesting, packed with history place. There are about 14 temples dedicated to the Syrian Baal worship. Um, All over the place, there would have been these temples to celebrate and to worship this pagan god. There was uh, the belief that the god of the god of Pan, who's the Greek god of nature, dwelt there. So the Greeks had a very big thing. The Syrians, big place of religious worship for them. The Greeks, big place for worship there. The, in fact, the name originally was Panias. Before it was changed to Caesarea Philippi, it was Panias and dedicated to the Greek god of nature. Very important place there. When Herod the Great was in power, he built a huge altar, uh, temple, for Caesar, huge white marble, just this enormous thing that you could see for miles coming. This brilliantly white temple dedicated to Caesar. And so it became a big place for Roman worship of Caesar. Everywhere you looked, every turn you made, there was something, some kind of God, someone there who was to be worshipped. When Herod the Great died and his son Philip uh, took over, Philip changed the name of the town from Panias to something to dedicate it to Caesar, Caesarea. But in order to uh, delineate it from all the other Caesareas around, he called it Caesarea after himself, Philippi, Caesarea Philippi. So in, into this town come Jesus and the disciples. I had this picture this morning of Jesus, and uh, I, I wanted to draw it for you, uh, but I didn't think I could draw very well. But I had this picture of Jesus standing before all of these um, pagan temples. Like he's about to make his um, announcement that he's running for president. All right, where am I going to make this announcement? Huh. Let's go to, every, let's go to the place that uh, signifies all that I stand against. Let me go to this place. Let me go right into the mouth of the lion. Let me go into this re- pagan religious mecca. And then I'm going to say who 
do people say I am? Who am I? Standing before all of these things, all of these choices of of places to worship, of things to worship, of worldly traps, all of this stuff. Jesus comes and he says, who do people say the son of man is? Significant there because he he is claiming his complete humanity at that moment. Who do people say the son of man is? And what's the response he gets? The disciples are like, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist. You know, if you remember, John the Baptist had just been beheaded not too long ago. And it was a fear of Herod that that Jesus was John the Baptist coming back because he was that powerful. He was that well thought of. He was a godly man. People respected him. They thought he was crazy, a lot of them. But JTB was a big deal. And so they believed that he had come back. So some people say, you're John the Baptist. Other people say you're Elijah. It's a big deal. Elijah. Elijah was the one who was to come before the Messiah. The Jews believed that before the Messiah would come, that Elijah would come and announce his presence. In fact, at the celebration of Passover, there is always a chair, even to this day, an empty chair left open for Elijah. Because when he comes, here comes the Messiah. So they believed that he was Elijah. Others said that he was Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is a little interesting if you don't know Jewish history of why they would say that Jeremiah is this, this guy. Now, Jeremiah, there's a story that in, it's recorded in 2 Maccabees and uh, in the second book of Esdras. If you have an, a, a Bible with the Apocrypha books, the Apocryphal books in it, you will have this. If you're a Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Methodist, we don't know. But it's in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, these, these books. And the story goes that Jeremiah, before the exile, goes into the temple, grabs the ark and the the important stuff, goes up onto the mountain where Moses was, finds a cave, puts the stuff in the cave, seals the cave, and then comes back down. Doesn't tell anybody where it is. So the belief was that when Jeremiah came back, before the Messiah, Jeremiah would come, he would go to that cave, retrieve the things for the temple, and bring them back. So people felt like he was also a forerunner of the Messiah. Now, if somebody's comparing you to someone else, who do they say you you resemble, either in looks or character? You know, have you ever said, oh, you know, that person really looks like... People tell, uh, you know, tell me, you know, I, I don't know, Matthew McConaughey all the time. No, Tom. No, he's crazy. I don't want to be Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. So, you know, but what's your, what do you look like or who, what's your character like? You know, what was the type of, if they're saying, oh man, he's really like this person. Sometimes it can be a good type of thing. Other times it can maybe not be so good for people to equate Jesus to one of these three men. Big deal. It was huge. These three guys were hugely important to the Jewish life, especially Elijah and especially Jeremiah. To, be, to say that you are this person is a really, really big deal. I mean, that goes above and beyond any other person really that's walked the face of the earth because they held those men to such high levels. And Jesus asked the question, 
But who do you say I am? Okay, we hear what they say. Let's set the field out. Who do you say I am? Simon, Peter, says you're the Messiah, the Son of God. You're the anointed king, the Christ. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. They both are for the anointed one, the anointed king. You are the king of kings, the son of God. You are above those other three. That's great, but no human interpretation, no human label can we place upon you because you are greater than those things. You are the Messiah. Now, for Simon to say this was tremendous, huge. One, he was right. But two, it's the first time that they all together get it in front of Caesarea Philippi, in front of these pagan temples all over, in front of this huge temple dedicated to Caesar, in front of the world, essentially. You are the Messiah. Now, the Messiah that the Jews had been looking for was nothing like what Jesus was, right? We, we've talked about this multiple times in the past. Even John the Baptist was a little, ah, I thought he was going to be stronger, you know, type thing. They expected some military-style leader to come in and to end the Roman oppression upon them, to release them from all of these worldly oppressions and the turmoil that Israel had always lived under, and to bring this power and this might Jesus did, but not in necessarily the way they thought. He came in a different way. His plan was love and service and sacrifice, strength through all of those things. He was the Messiah. And the question he asked, who do you think I am? He asked to his disciples, but he asks us as well. Who do you think he is because let's face it a lot of times in our world in this western greek world we tend to get locked into the intellectual side of christianity we tend to get bogged down by theological arguments that really don't matter much when you come down to it we get lost in um in translation if you will we we get lost in this uh, this aspect this chasing down seven certain points so that i can do this give me a sermon with three points so i can write down something and go on about my week let me be up here understanding of who god is but that's not what he wants he doesn't want us to know who jesus is he wants us to know jesus to know him Who do you say I am? Who do you say he is? Is it something that you can intellectually grasp and understand and and you go and, and you can line out all of the different things? Maybe you can do that and you have it here as well. Maybe you can't do that. Where is it? Where is your knowledge of Jesus? Is it solely up in your mind or is it down in your heart and your life? Has it become not just something you know, but who you have become, who you are becoming? Because we stand in a world that is very similar to Caesarea Philippi. Around every corner is another temple of worship. 
Around every corner in our world is some other God who is vying for our attention. Come worship me. I'm the almighty dollar. I will make your life better. The more of me you have, the better your life will be. Come worship me. I'm a beautiful house. Come worship me. I'm a great job. Come worship me. I'm a great family. Come worship me. And we get locked into this pursuit of worldly things. Some of them are great. Having a wonderful family is a beautiful thing to have. But if that is your pursuit and you're worshiping only that, you've missed it. We have these pagan temples all over our world demanding our attention and our worship and our time. And there Jesus Christ stands amid all of it. And he humbly says, who do you say I am? Do you know me? Because if you know me, then everything changes. Everything changes. Not if you just know about me, but if you know me. I I went to um, Turkey many years ago. And one of the places that we went uh, was, I believe it was either Sardis or Pergamon, the apps. And you go down and, and, and there's this big coliseum. This Greek, beautiful architecture that they've uncovered and, and just amazing ruins. And, and up high is this um, apse. And that, essentially, inside of that apse would have been whatever god they were worshiping um, that day, week, year, as, as often as they changed it out. That would be where your worship center would be. And this, when people walk in, you look at the apps and you see, ah, they're dedicated to Didyma. Oh, they're the God. They, they worship uh, Caesar. They worship Artemis, whoever. You would see in that apps and it would signify to you immediately where that school, that, that, uh, that thing stood, that gymnasium stood. And, and the teaching that we heard, it was from, from Ray Vandalin. Um, Ray asked us what we had in our apps. That's a good question. Uh-oh, what is in your apps? That's right. What, what is it when people see you? Because you could say your home and what is your home signifying and you could do that part. But you, when people see you, who do they say you are? What's in your apps? If they look at you, can they tell that you are a son or daughter of God? That you worship the one true God? That your life is lived according to his will? That you are striving to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that needs them? When people look at you, surrounded by the world... Surrounded by the traps of the world. And they ask you the question, who are you? How do you answer? Let me tell you, your words don't mean as much as your actions. Because you can, again, have it all up here. And you can talk the talk. And you can know the right things to say. You can be the Eddie Haskell of Christianity. Young people look at somebody old and ask them what that means. (laughs) You can be the person who gets it all right on paper. 
The Heat were supposed to beat the Mavericks on paper. I just had to throw that in there for all you Spurs people. Just went, ugh. But if you're not living it out, if inside of you is not a just unleashed worship of God, then you can say all the right things, but people will see. So the question is, one, who do you say he is? And then as you're standing, looking in the mirror, asking yourself that question, follow it with this. Who am I? Am I a child of God? Am I a son, a daughter of the Most High? And am I living my life that way? Because as we will see, this moment right here for the disciples was groundbreaking. As they began to see more and more who Jesus truly was, as they began to take more and more hold of the ministry that they would be given, you begin to see their lives change as well. Who are you? Prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage as always. And John and August, the Joffies, are coming up to um, lead us in a few more worship songs. And as they do so, um, if it's your time to leave and you need to, to get about your Father's Day business, uh, we ask that you would do so um, quietly and respectfully of the people who are staying to worship and to pray. Um, if you are struggling with that question of who Jesus truly is, if, if you've intellectually grasped it for a long time, but you haven't taken it in, um, and you'd like to pray about it, talk to somebody about it, our prayer team will be on either side of the stage. Uh, if you just have anything else to pray about, good, bad, indifferent, you just want to pray with the prayer team, they're there as well. Um, I, I just long for all of us, myself included, to be able to completely answer that question without hesitation that I know who God is I know who Jesus is and I know who I am let us pray gracious and heavenly father we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you have given us through the death and resurrection of your son our savior Jesus Christ Lord we pray that you would place on all of our hearts a desire, a need even to be more one with you in a world that demands our attention in a world that tries to take us away from your voice and your face Lord help us to see through those things help us to see through the counterfeit things of this world and to see straight to you God we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ